live from New York. It's Ask an Engineer. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Ask Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer. With me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera control. Yeah, jam-packed show for you uh, tonight. One hour of making, hacking, coding, soldering, knitting, welding, drawing. I don't know. What sorts of making stuff going on? New products, lots of videos, and more. Mr. Lady Ada, why don't you tell them the code and what's on tonight's yeah. show? Tonight's code is cams. 10% off a new different store, all the way up to 11.59 p.m. Eastern time. You lose it, everything except for a Raspberry Pi unit. We'll talk about some of our live shows, including Show and Tell. We'll do a little bit of a recap from Desk of Lady including the Great Search. Highlight from JP's Product Pick of the Week. Forget JP's workshop is tomorrow. We have some advanced manufacturing made in New York City factory footage. We have some 3D printing. We've got uh, Iron API this week, brought to you by DigiKey. This week it is Bridge Tech. We got a bunch of top secret videos. Um, a lot, a lot going on behind the scenes. Some new products. Answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, slash Discord, where we can answer your questions. Put them there. We'll also get to them throughout the show, but mostly at the end. Go to Discord. Yeah. All that and more on, and you guessed it. Da, 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 da. Ask an engineer. Right. <laughs> Oops, did I forget that? <laughs> yeah, it's, I had multiple graphics. This, and then the, the thing is, everything is black and white. So it's like, you're like, which graphic is it? I don't know, because we just wore black. Okay. Yeah. All right, so we got a few things going on. Um, wanted to, uh, first up, remind folks, if you use the code, there's free stuff. Lady Ada, what do they get? That's right. When you order from the Adafruit shop, you can get uh, $99 or more a free PCB coaster with a beautiful gold design on it and matte black solder mask and little bumper so it doesn't scratch your desk up. $149 or more, you get this Pro Micro Pinout compatible RP2040 board. Uh, it's designed for keyboards, but it's actually good for all sorts of microcontroller projects with a powerful RP2040 chip and Stemma QT port. $199 or more, free. UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. It's trackable, it's insured, it's brown, it's UPS. That's their new uh, mm, Yeah. And then uh, still, we have plenty now. Circuit Playground Expresses. I know we missed these, but um, it's back, our classic giveaway. $2.99 or more, you'll get a free Circuit Playground Express, our favorite microcontroller board that's perfect for learning programming yeah. because it's got LEDs and buttons and sensors all built in, no soldering required, and lots of drag and drop. Python, Arduino, programming languages available. Um, so it's an excellent start, whether you're a youngster or a youngster at heart. Okay. Um, so in addition to all of that, don't forget the code is CAMS. Um, but there is one thing we want to mention. Once again, we're doing this. So uh, if you have an Adafruit account, please verify your account. Use two-factor authentication. The reason is we're doing some Raspberry Pi 5s again tonight. This has been working out. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of news about Adabox because we have good news. Things are still moving along. I wanted to give some folks some updates. So while I'm doing that, Lady Ada is going to put in some Raspberry Pi 5s, 4 gigabytes, um, and you'll see those soon. So get ready, uh, Lady Ada. Why don't you go ahead and start doing that? I'm escaping. Yeah. So here is the Adabox news for now. Um, here's the plan, everybody. Plan is for us to ship some of our Ada boxes this year. What we're going to do is contact some of the uh, 
subscribers. We'll probably start with the ones who've been with us from the start. Say, hey, we're getting ready to ship some ADA boxes soon. We're only going to email a small number, of course, because we don't want to get everyone hopes up. And we know that there's going to it's going to take some time because it's been a while since we shipped an ADA box. We basically had to redesign the ADA boxes with a new world where there was no parts available. Um, so if something used a specific type of part, we had to completely redesign it and make sure that times 100 different parts. So you'll get an email if you're an Adabox subscriber. It won't be all the subscribers all at once because we don't, you know, again, want to uh, get everyone hopes up that it's going to ship immediately. But we'll have an uh, Adabox for folks. Email from us will ask you to make sure your payment information is updated. We don't charge until we ship unless it's a prepaid. And we'll then be able to uh, give you more information about when we think we're shipping. We're probably going to ship some um, shortly. And then, you know, beginning of the year, we'll get caught up to all the ADA boxes that we didn't get to this year. And then hopefully we'll be doing an ADA box a quarter again. Okay. We'll see. Everything in the store? All right. So um, the Raspberry Pi 5s are in stock. Um, let me go over to the handy dandy web browser and see if this is true. They are, they're in stock. So if you want, you can go to product ID number 5812. You can also type Raspberry Pi 5. You can see the four gigabyte models. They are in stock. Lady 8 is on our way back. We will continue with the show shortly. Okay. But sorry for that delay. That's all right. I wanted to notify and blah, blah, yeah. blah, and all this stuff. Okay. So anyways, I was telling everybody about Adabox. So yes. get a super small number um, for the end of the year, and then larger and larger amounts as the year hits. Um, we should be able to get all the Adaboxes out soon, but that's our update. Good news. Everything is available. We'll be able to do this. Now we have to make sure that we can get everyone's We did get the first order of PCBs. Yeah, we have to make sure we can get everyone's uh, payment information updated more. It's been a while. Oh, it's going to be a It's been a haul. So we're going to start slow, but... But we're still doing it, not promise. Not giving up. Okay. Um, and then, some. by the way, some people are going to drop. They're going to say, oh, it's been a while. You know, I decided I'm going to do other things. So just make sure you sign up on adabox.com. You'll get notified when you can sign up for adabox because we'll have some openings, I think. Probably. Okay, we do a bunch of live shows, including show and tell. Thanks so much, JP. Um, JP did the show and tell this week. Next week we're on um, holiday week. Uh, we're doing it, so come by next week, seven thirty p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. And show and share whatever projects you have, retro stuff, turkeys, pretty much anything else. Cyber turkeys. Yeah. But some days we do from the desk of Lady Ada. It is in two parts. Usually Lady Ada is showing what's on her desk. What did you show in part one? last week okay so i didn't have a working live demo but i tried um what i've been working on we do have uh, the one minute videos at the end of the show which will show off um the stuff in working mode is getting the round and bar and square displays are working on a raspberry pi using an icn6211 to convert the dual dsi ports on the pi 5 uh, to drive these screens and it's been it's been a joy um, so we have to, you know, configure the SPI for the display. We have to configure the I2C for the ICN6211. And you have to configure the device tree overlay for the kernel module changes that uh, Timon has been doing for us. Um, and, you know, getting all three pieces all working means that, like, we have a beautiful image on the display. So um, while I wasn't able to 
you know, whenever my board stopped responding, um, because I don't, I think it's actually static, by the way. I think I have to turn the humidifier on because I've been frazzling boards a little bit more than usual. Um, and I'm like very not careful with them. I'm like licking them and like, <laughs> like filthy hands. Don't do that. Uh, yeah, I know. Don't lick the electronics. But, um, but I'm making a lot of progress with this and hopefully we're going to get that kernel module merged in and at least that way we'll have and i'm going to revise the board to have an onboard eprom right. and so we'll get that family of uh breakout boards out the door for the beer okay and then we do another segment this is called the great search this is when we help you find things you need to find we usually um get tagged or we'll also uh, there's folks that are just looking for stuff online and we're like oh here you go we can help i, I do like to do ones you know i have ones chips that I'm, you know, searching for, but um, I'm kind of always searching for the same sort of stuff. And I thought it'd be neat to see what other people are looking for online. So sometimes I look for the phrase like find DigiKey or search or whatever. People are like looking for something. Um, and this person is a ham radio person who is looking for uh, terminal strips that have um, little uh, nubs terminals on both ends of the strip. And so uh, I've never used these before, but I've seen them in ham radio kits. They're used for free wiring. So I showed how you can use the sheet to find which configuration you want and then use that to purchase it on DigiKey. Okay. Do that every single Sunday. Stay tuned for Desk of Lady Ada, including the research this week. And we do JP's product pick of the week every single week. Here is the highlight from this week. Is, there is my product pick for this week. It is the AD5693R 16-bit DAC breakout board. You can tell it to send really accurate, really fine-tuned, fine-grained voltages. I'm telling the DAC right now to send out one volt. And you're hearing that the one volt is being used by my little synthesizer off to the side to tell it what note to play. There you can see we get a really nice smooth. You can hear it better than you can see it on my multimeter just because it's a digital meter. Now I have it stepping down. If I go to a different type of effect with it, you can see we're sending out some really cool stuff. It is the AD5693R 16-bit DAC breakout. Okay, and then on Thursdays, we have JP's Workshop. A little programming note next week. There'll be no JP's Workshop because Thanksgiving. it's Thanksgiving. Um, and then this Friday, there's Deep Dive with Tim. Probably not next week. I got to double check. But you'll be able to um, figure out soon. Check all of our social places. Most likely Discord. Afterwards, yeah. Um, we'll see which shows that we're gonna have. Uh, we'll have uh, the full schedule as soon as we figure out what everyone's doing. Well, let's do some Python on hardware. Okay, some highlights from this week's newsletter. Um, if you're into Python, every year there's the official Python developer survey. Please, please, please consider filling it out. Um, it helps them figure out what things to Python Foundation and the folks that are driving all the interesting things in Python do. Well, JetBrains, they have the like, most popular editor yeah. for Python. So 
Um, these are, you know, if you're using Python daily and there's like stuff you want Python to focus on, this is your chance to yeah, learn. Yeah, including things that are helpful for, um, you know, CircuitPython, because uh, it's all part of a core. There's Python. Yes. And then there is MicroPython and there's CircuitPython. It is all a big family. So if there's something in Python, we'll probably have it in CircuitPython at some point. Um, you can check out um, the rest of the projects. This week, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to um, talk about something from Playground. And we're also going to play a video. Um, this is the Making Music with CircuitPython and Raspberry Pi. We try to highlight some of the things from the community. This is a really well put together, so we're going to play the well put together video. So we're going to play this. It's from Pensacola Maker Fair. You can see. Um, it's cool. Like Todd, JP. Yeah. If you're looking to do insane. anything with music, um, you can check out this really neat um, Pico Sandbox uh, demo and more. So do check out all the projects. Um, you can see all the things that people are doing with Python on hardware. Yeah. Pretty much anything that you can imagine, um, it's here. Um, One thing I thought was of... interesting at the, at the beginning, you know, I forgot that it was in the newsletter, is, you know, GitHub had their this big announcement about how they're like or their next generation of, of github is going to be all copilot controlled and i thought that was interesting because um, a lot of people do use co you know copilot particularly when they're using circuit python because one of the benefits of the way it works is we've been publishing thousands of guides and projects and tutorials and examples and so you not only is your documentation but there's so many examples that chances are if you yeah. want to build something with CircuitPython, Copilot will, will be able to do a pretty good job because it already knows all of the styles that we have for yeah. CircuitPython. You can there. even interact with some of these AI systems, you know, ChatGPT being when you could be like, I want to write a library in the style of Adafruit, and it used our code, and it will, um, because we allowed it, and, uh, well, I don't think it, Genie. Yeah, it's trained on it. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's too late now. Um, and so you'd be able to um, write libraries with uh, an Adafruit style as well. So do check that out. Um, but let's go over to Playground, because you wanted to talk about this, this is using Android with CircuitPython. Yeah, uh, Liz just published this. Um, this is thanks to a PR. Can you click on the PR Merging CircuitPython? Because I want to get the person's name correct. We did it was ADCC. Um, it did an excellent um, job. They're fixing up a bunch of our mass storage, not bugs, but just like stuff that can be improved. And one of the things that they um, updated was the like a couple bytes in like the fat format MBR now lets Android um, mount the file system. And so you can have like an Android phone or tablet plug in your circuit playground board, the mass storage shows up as a disk drive and then you can open up there's a bunch of free editors um that liz talks about that you can use to open a file edit it and save it she gives a couple of hints there's there's one way that works great and one way that does not work very well but once you've got it working you can also use um the REPL to connect to the serial port as well so you can basically have a portable no computer required cool. programming system and like you know um it's funny a lot of the things that i the decisions that we made with CircuitPython come directly from me having the frustrating experience of having to debug pick microcontrollers at Burning Man. And it was just un unbelievably infuriating, infuriating to like, oh, I didn't, you know, I don't have the right driver. I don't have the right um, IDE. I don't have the library. I don't have internet access. So being able to edit and tweak code on the fly using any computer or now any mobile phone uh, I'm getting close to making me 10 years ago happy. 
All right. 15 years ago. So check that out. Um, and the way to get to that is if you just go to learn.adafruit.com and click Playground, you'll be able to see this and so much more. Um, Playground is a place where anybody can publish guides. Um, our team uses it. Community uses it. Lots of great guides and more. Probably some familiar faces from the community. Um, but this is where we put uh, ones that Going are... Going in. Yeah. Write something, write something up if you want. If you're working on a project and then when you're done... Uh, click that you want to show and tell the project and we'll feature it on the front page. Okay. Um, and then getting back to what I was talking about before. Yeah, sorry. This is a great, no, it's okay. That's right. This is a really good video um, that uh, was sent to us. So we're going to play this. Synth. Get out, synth. Snakes. Hello, everyone. I'd like to present to you today a little project I've been working on called the Pico Synth Sandbox. Name pending. After playing around with the new audio synthesis library, Synth.io for CircuitPython, which came out earlier this year, I became very aware of both the power and limitations of this awesome new tool. In order to add nearly all the functionality that you need and make the process of programming your own musical device extremely simple, I decided to create a new piece of hardware using the Raspberry Pi Pico and team it up with a fully featured new CircuitPython library to get you off the ground running. The Pico Synth Sandbox comes with nearly everything you need to make a variety of synthesizer projects. First and foremost, we have the star of the show, the Raspberry Pi Pico, which holds 256 kilobytes of RAM and one whopping megabyte of onboard flash memory to store your code. Next, a 12-key capacitive touch keyboard with full polyphony, but sadly no velocity or aftertouch. Then you have the choice between I2S or PWM audio output, depending on your preference and budget. One of my favorite features is a teeny tiny PDM omnidirectional microphone for you to record your own samples. And up front and center, we have a 16 by two character LCD display with a rotary encoder to handle any menu diving you might need for your project. An absolute must have for any musical device is hardware MIDI input and output. In this case, we're using 3.5 millimeter jacks to send these digital signals. To hear your sound creations, we have a volume knob with both 3.5mm line level and onboard speaker output. Last but not least, we also have a LiPo battery to power it all. In its current form, not every feature can be used simultaneously and has to be pre-configured beforehand. This device is still in its revision 1 infancy and there's much to improve in future board revisions. Many examples are available that show off how easy it is to get started with this device and the included hardware abstraction library. Here are a few of my favorites. A bass-heavy monophonic synthesizer. A complex filtered polyphonic synthesizer. analog style drum machine with a 16 step sequencer. And a fun sampler using recorded audio from the included microphone. If you're interested in trying out this fun project for yourself, 
The PCB Gerber files and bill of materials are available on the GitHub page down below in the video description, as well as a quick getting started guide to get your Pico set up with CircuitPython and the Sandbox library. There are plenty of examples and library documentation on the Read the Docs site included below as well. And if you happen to be in the Pensacola, Florida area this upcoming weekend, November 11th, I'll be set up at the 2023 Pensacola Maker Fair to let visitors get hands-on with this device and learn about CircuitPython and digital audio synthesis as a whole. Thank you all for letting me share what I've been working on lately. I hope you have a wonderful day. Okay, so for all of your Python hardware needs, you can sign up on native daily, deliver it each week. Spam free, we hate spam even more than you do. It's a completely separate website. There's nothing to do with your shopping account because we want to make sure that you knew that we just don't send you newsletters. So adafruitdaily.com setup is for Python on hardware. Okay, let's do some... Wait, do you want to check on the pie? Or oh, you want to check on the pie? Well, we don't know how they're doing. Let's go check on the Raspberry Pi and see how they're doing here. So we're in between segments. We are. So let's uh, let's go over. So we interrupt this... Uh, open beep, 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 Wait, it's over there, yeah. Yeah, to uh, bring you, let's see, let me hit refresh. Okay, we have 60 in stock. So if you're looking to get a Raspberry Pi 5, this is probably it. I did see folks online, you know, social media is essentially for complaining, or even worse now. And the the consensus from folks seems to be the pre-order thing, um, because there were so many people who pre-ordered, and now they're just waiting, and there wasn't enough to go around for these pre-orders, that they're contemplating doing something else. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the Pi Foundation has allocated a certain number, which every company has a slightly different allocation. But just because you got more pre-orders doesn't mean you get more. You get more, allocated. yeah. Yeah, it's like you get... The number that you were allocated was actually so, given to you before the release. So so there's no there's no perfect solution. There's just some things that are uh, least worse. And so we think we, we found this. People have been... Yeah, happy. The yeah and like we've been releasing them, and you kind of know that we're doing it during the shows. Yeah. So I would say, especially as the holidays hit, it's probably a good time. If you haven't already... Oh, yeah. One. If you want to give one for the holidays, yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know that we'll be getting more after November. Know. So We don't know. Okay, so anyways, some open source hardware news. Uh, congratulations, Lady Ada. This was uh, last week. GitHub did some awards, and you found an award. Yay! Yeah. Hardware. Hardware hacker. That's me. Yeah, that's you. So you got this um, GitHub award. I think, I don't know what the criteria is. I'm going to guess. Um, that's why I put it in the open source hardware section. Uh, Adafruit publishes all of their designs under an open source license. It's on GitHub. It's available. There's code. There's the files you can download. Um, it's working out. Um, we understand that there's a lot of things that say they're open, but they're not. But that's not us. So special thanks to the recognition from GitHub. Congratulations. I know you just did a massive round of uh, new designs, and they're all open source hardware. Yes. And we're always going to do open source hardware. Because we said it so many times, you can do a super cut of it <laughs> on the times we said it. I mean, like somebody should make a video every time we say open source. Oh, so, um, yeah, and I and I think that's um, one of the things that's uh, important to folks out there who are shopping. You have choices, and you get code. You get all the things that make the hardware go. Um, you know for a fact it's always yours, and you know that you can inspect it, and improve upon it, and learn from it. And that's unique and rare in this world. Oh boy, um, is it ever! 
So um, speaking of, let's go to the learning system. Yes. And what's on the big board this week? Do we need a uh, correction? I think? No. No. Like, yes. Yeah. So this week, uh, we have a new guide from Known Pedro, the quality of 3D printed cases. Um, if you've been checking out all these square round bar displays and you want to encase them, uh, like once you've got your project up and running, um, they made a lovely case that uh, can mount this touchscreen or non-touchscreen versions and a qualia board. Uh, and then, of course, you can attach sensors. You can have um, I2C or SPI, so you can add more electronics if you need to, or just have it dis display cool round things. We have a round display. We also have a guide for the ADS 7838-bit-8-channel uh, ADC. Uh, again, a simple ADC, but um, useful. We have Arduino and CircuitPython code. Liz Clark wrote up a guide, also did the CircuitPython library port. We've been updating a bunch of the 8-foot IO uh, guides. Brett has been just cranking through them um, and uh, uh, did the um, the basics guides. And he's done a couple other guides. And then I believe the uh, power wash controllers, I, I know that that video went out like two weeks ago and I just it kind of flew by my to-do list. Um, it's finally up. So if you uh, wanted to build that product from JP, um, it's now published. And thank you for your patience. Yeah. Okay. And then um, we also mentioned this before, but you know we have our playground. Check out playground. Um, yeah. So look like on playground. Yeah. Learn.adafruit.com. And then we have adafruit-playground.com. You can go there too. And you can see all the latest guides. Um, some of them are like remixes of some projects that we have, and then some of them. But are... that's great because people are always like, "Oh, like I want to write a guide, but I just want to make an adjustment to an existing one." And I'm like, this "Yeah, is these are really perfect. cool." Perfect so, usage of the background. Um, and uh, for the folks who pay attention to this stuff, we wanted to have a place that people could publish their to dos, how tos, um, things that are important to them that they're building but allow everyone else to see them. So, you know, you can see these without having to log in. Um, we don't have any type of weird thing that you have to pay or um, tracking. Like we try to make sure that this is the, 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 the least worst place to publish something that's important to you. And a lot of folks wanted to take a, uh, a tour in how we use our learn system. Um, but they want to do it for their own stuff. So we're like, okay, here's a way to do it. So we're calling these notes it's in the playground. Check it out. Okay, let's do some factory footage.
this week's factory footage. Okay, um, let's do some 3D printing. We're going to play these back to back. We have two videos. Yeah, Pedro. Get into the holiday spirit too. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Don't forget to tune into their shows on Wednesday. 3D Hangouts live every single week. Let's play it. You can power RGB TFT displays with the Adafruit Qualia ESP32 S3. Featuring a built-in RGB display peripheral, this ESP32 dev board comes with 16 megabytes of flash for buffering large images, animations, or even video. It can power a big 4-inch 720x720 round display for making projects with a unique shape. Included are pins for a capacitive touch overlay so you can have touch control with supported displays. Two built-in side buttons can be used for user input such as interfacing with the display's brightness or cycling between modes. CircuitPython support makes it easy to write software using the Display I.O. library. Demo code is available for initializing various display sizes so you can quickly get up and running. The product guide features documentation for getting started with both Arduino and CircuitPython. You can set constant current for the backlight control circuit using the onboard jumpers. You'll want to reference your display's datasheet for getting the correct voltage. We designed and 3D printed a case for this 4-inch display in an all-in-one snap fit enclosure. Translucent PLA lets you see the Qualia ESP32 S3 dev board, reminiscent of gadgets from the 1990s. We also designed a snap fit case for this 4-inch 480x480 square display. This features 3D printed buttons using flexible TPU filament for easy button actuation. A built-in recess section allows for easy access to the buttons and the USB-C port. We think the Adafruit Qualia ESP32 S3 is the best IoT dev board for exploring these RGB displays and hope they inspire you to create new projects. printing of the week let's go and uh, find everybody cams is discount code don't forget it does not apply to raspberry pis let's do a raspberry pi check-in oh let's see how many we have left beep 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 refresh 44 left in stock still quite a few so 44 you still have time if you have not already set up your account and got two-factor authentication but even if you run out of time it's okay do it now though because the next time we put these in you'll need to do that anyways do some eye on API. Yeah.
Hi on MPI brought to you by DigiKey and Avery. Thank you. DigiKey, Rich Tech, is it? That's right. Your power partner. They're the power, power partner. That's right. Um, we've covered them before. This is our second time on the uh, show. I think they did an, we did an LED driver from Rich Tech before. Uh, they do a lot of automotive, a lot of industrial. This week we're going to be looking at an I2S audio amplifier. I do love I2S. Um, this is... Uh, a similar chip but the uh they didn't have an image of the package but this is it so the rt9120s particularly s and this is um an image of it on the eval board so you can see it's like a you know what 20 sorry a 24 to 28 pin qfn and it's a very powerful i2s amplifier um despite this being a tiny little chip it, this is a uh, actually this is sorry this is the wrong screenshot it's a 30 watt not 20 watt because uh, it's the uh, 9120s it's a 30 watt stereo inductorless i2s input class d amplifier with stereo or mono output um you know ha like halfway through i realized that there's the 9120 and the 9120s and we're actually talking about the 9120s uh that's the new version of this chip which is um more powerful it's pin compatible so if you have been using the uh, 9120 um, just FYI, it's it's the same, but better because it's got better specs. Um, so the 9120 in general is um, an I2S amplifier. So it's digital input, uh, analog output. It drives a speaker directly. It can do stereo or it can do mono. Um, the I2S signals can be 1.8 or 3.3 volt input. But for the power to the amplifier part, you'll need 5 to 26 volts. And I like that because it's a nice wide range. If you don't need the full 30 watts, you know, you can do less than, we'll show the, the power uh, rating. Um, you can do you know, 12 volts or less, but if you want to use an automotive or industrial system with 24 volt power, uh, you can power it with 24 volts, no problem. Um, and because it's class D, you actually have very little power dissipation issues. Like most people who are used to amplifiers uh, that are dealing with 30 watts, you're going to have a gigantic heat sink on your class AB. Not necessary here because it's a class D amplifier. So it does, um, I think they have this spec here. It's like 1.5 megahertz uh, PWM. It's like either, I think it's either 75 or 1.5 megahertz. And um, this chip can also do a, a variety of different inputs. Uh, I2S, right justified, left justified, and as well as TDM. Okay, so this is actually made a little mistake. So the one we're talking about today is the, actually the RT. 9120s uh, you can see that they are almost identical same 32 qfn the 30 uh the 9120 is the older version 20 watt max the new version is 30 watt max but otherwise they still have stereo output 4.5 to 26 volts um i believe they have almost identical um i squared c command set uh it's also the 21S is a little bit um, more efficient. It's got 94% rather than 92%. And it supports TDM, whereas the previous version did not support T uh, TDM. Um, but there's also other power amplifiers, by the way. So it's like, oh, you want, you know, uh, higher wattage, lower wattage. Uh, you can, there's a, you know, a wide range from which tech. Uh, we're just going to be only talking about the 9120S here, but they do have tons. So uh, how do you control it? Well, you can give it I2S input. And um, one thing, uh, and, and then I squared C to control it. So you will need a driver. It doesn't have like a free run mode. You know, you, you can't just pipe I2S in and have it just automatically output, uh, output audio signal. Um, 
but the I2C is, is at least well documented. There's a full register map inside, and then there's like a fault output, um, and there's you know some power supply stuff. Um, but it's actually like a fairly simple, you know, what I like is that there's not a lot of extra components needed. Like you don't need an extra crystal. You don't need um, uh, M clock input. You don't need a PLL, you know, extra capacitors and inductors and whatever. It's very much like data in, um, audio output. So one thing that I do like about this is that, you know, if you're wanting to use an audio amplifier, digital audio amplifier with the Raspberry Pi, um, the Raspberry Pi doesn't have an M clock output. And so you want something that can take the bit clock and PLL it up. And then, you know, it can calculate like how much, um, you know, the, the main clock frequency it needs based on the bit clock and does it automatically. So there are existing I2S chips that do that, but many chips require an M clock. What I really like about this one, if you go back one, it doesn't need it. It just needs left, right clock, bit clock and then you see there's sdi and sdo that's because it can route the audio output it does, doesn't actually have a microphone input even though there's a data output you only need three digital inputs to um, control the i2s okay typical use case um so like i said it's actually i like how simple it is because it's a class d and um especially if you're using longer wires you're going to want that lc filter in the documentation, they do mention you can use ferrite beads. You don't need to use big inductors, but the eval board does use fairly large 10 microhenry inductors and um, capacitors to make a filter. Probably for EMI reasons, you know, depending on your product, um, if you're going to be doing EMI testing, you might be able to get away with shorter, uh, if you're using very short wires, um, not having to use power inductors, you can maybe use ferrite beads, but that's uh, on your design requirements. So, you know, um, Probably you can use either, but because this is designed, you know, maybe for um, stereo systems that go in automotive or whatever, they're expecting to have um, a lot of noise that can be coupled in or that it could couple into something. So they want to be um, extra careful on the output to make sure that they don't get that 1.5 megahertz PWM square wave emitting all over the place. You can also, it uh, turns out, connect it into like dual bridge tide loads. So it is bridge tide output for stereo, but if you want like 50 watts, you can get that um, by tying both the positive and negative outputs of the left and right channel together. And then you can configure it over I squared C to say, hey, I want you to do mono output. Um, you can drive, I think four ohms with that dual bridge tide load. Otherwise if you're using stereo, eight ohms where it's at, although it's a little unclear. Maybe you can use six ohm or four ohm as well. It just won't be as efficient. You're going to get the most efficiency with eight ohms uh, at 20 watts. You'll get, you know, 95%. Um, nothing to watch out for is the total harmonic distortion. Um, depending on your power supply, your uh, how much power you're trying to push through and your um, load resistance. On the left, it's eight ohms. On the right, it's four ohms. Um, you'll want to keep it, you know, under 10% total harmonic distortion, or, you know, you can actually, um, start to hear the effects of the crackling effects, but, you know, up to 18 volts, you can still get, um, 30 Watts into four ohms. And if you want 30 Watts into eight ohms, you'll need, uh, 24 volts. Okay. Uh, some nice things. I squared C interface means you can set things like the gain over I squared C instead of like digitally by changing, um, your, your max uh, integer value on I2S. Of course, there's lots of other settings available, you know, like what format you want, whether you want that mono mode or stereo or mute, 
um, but you will need a driver for the I2C interface. Uh, one cool thing that this chip does have is uh, dynamic compression. I'm trying to remember what the dynamic range compression. So, you know, one issue that people have when they have these very powerful amplifiers is that it's very easy to um, have clipping when you get to the higher amplifications if you know if you have an all-in-one system you know you can probably tune it so that you'll never generate an audio signal so loud that it would clip on the output but if people are using the wrong power supply or uh, they're using different spec speakers than you expect you could have clipping and you want to avoid that because it sounds terrible and so what you can set up is um this dynamic compression that as the signal gets louder and louder and louder it doesn't amplify as much so you see there's this cutoff where after drct that whatever gain or volume, um, it starts compressing the amount of game to be lower and lower. And so you never hit um, that clipping rate where you might get square waves into your audio signal. Uh, it's also got a compensation filter, which is kind of nice. So the output LC filter does have a slight effect on um, the audio, uh, especially at high frequencies, because you don't have perfect uh, inductor and capacitor. And so, you know, if you can measure the effective transfer function that is caused by the LC filter on your audio, you can then pre-compensate it. And so you'll get a little bit of a gain at the high frequencies to get, you know, to basically have an even equivalent DC gain across all frequencies. Um, let's see. Oh, there's an error mode, which is kind of nice. So you can, of course, because there's I2C, you can read from it, not just set settings. And so there's uh, a couple different error modes. You know, it can flip up that GPIO, you can read it, it'll tell you, you have open circuits, you know, shorts, you're missing uh, I2S data, um, you have a DC voltage where it's not supposed to be. Uh, so that's kind of nice, um, good if you're trying to have a better user interface for people, especially again, if um, people will be doing their own installation with this amplifier. And I did notice that there is a kernel um, module written by um, the Rich Tech team that was submitted um, into mainline in 2021. And so if you want to use this with a single board computer and running Linux, you don't have to do any work because you'll already have a um, sound driver that's built into the kernel ready to go. Finally, there's Novell board. Uh, you want to get started quickly. Uh, big chunky connections for power and speaker output. And then you can just control it over I2C and give it I2S data and you're good to go. Nice looking Novell board also in stock. Bubble on and the price is nice. It's like two to three dollars in quantity. Uh, you know, three dollars for small, two dollars for large quantity. That's a pretty good deal for um, stereos, I2S, no M clock needed, um, thirty watts or fifty watts mono stereo I2S amplifier. So a nice chip, Class D. Uh, check it out if you need a big honking stereo system. Okay. This is a good idea. Good work. Okay, let's see how many Raspberry Pis we have before we uh, go off. I guess just check line. in. Uh, there are 33 in stock. Still got a little bit more time. Still to go. Uh, don't forget the code is CAMS. And speaking of, let's uh, bounce over to Farmer. Okay. First up. First up, we have a revision. The long-awaited 3.5-inch. TFT Featherwing is being revived, revised. It's de-zombified. 
going to be back in stock tomorrow. Um, but if you're watching this on YouTube, it's probably in stock by then. So you've got a touchscreen, 3.5 inch, 320 by 480 display, beautiful color. Uh, and it's got a resistive touchscreen. So if you go to the back of the board, um, this is V2, which you can tell because it says V2. A few updates. The um, TSC, sorry, the STMP touchscreen controller got discontinued over COVID and we couldn't get any more. Now it uses the TSC 2007, which is great, works over I squared C. So it's going to be um, even better for most Mac controllers because uh, you don't need a separate chip select line. And also, you don't have to interrupt the SPI to the display. So you'll probably get better display um, throughput. Uh, there's an IRQ now um, connected to where the chip select used to be. We also added a STEMIQT port and we made the reset button right angle. Um, the backlight driver also got updated. So it's going to be a a big upgrade you're going to need to uh if you're using the touchscreen you'll need to update your firmware we have arduino and circuit python code but the stmp um, touchscreen controller like i said has been totally amazingly discontinued to the point that we could not buy any more um but i'm excited to bring this product back to life okay and then we got cameras okay also coming soon we have um a range of different ov5640 cameras with different lenses so all of these have the same quality they all the chip underneath is the same the sensor module is the same but the lenses vary so this one so let's go uh let's go from the beginning and I'll, I'll i'll talk about each one this one is 120 degree so it's like a wide angle lens and you see that metal ring around it that metal case that means it has an autofocus motor in it which means that you can load firmware onto it that you can then tell it i want you to go into an autofocus mode and it will be able to do like close-up photos um, better because it can move the lens back and forth. Not a lot, like a teeny bit, but it does have some autofocus capability, which could be kind of cool to play with. Um, so yeah, that's the that version. And then the next one, this is a 120 degree lens also. So kind of like wide angle lens. And you'll notice it doesn't have that metal casing. That's because it doesn't have autofocus. It does, however, have um, slightly better distortion um, management so we have like a fisheye 120 this is a non-fisheye it's still like it's still somewhat fisheye but it's like less distortive around the edges it has more of like a deep um hallway look than like a fisheye look uh so that's this one and then this is you can see this lens is flatter this is a 72 degree so no fisheye no wide angle it's like a what you would normally consider like a one-to-one -one camera and this one also has autofocus as you can see the metal case and then this one is the chunkiest it's the 160 degree super ultra wide angle very distorted but great for like if you're making a security camera or a wildlife camera and you want to get you know a whole bit almost 180 degree um camera view even if you don't care that it's not like perfect for like photography that's cool that's one-to-one -one. so i thought i would show yeah on the overhead i have um so let's Okay, so do it. So this. Okay, hold on. Let me um, let me unplug this. I'm gonna plug in the the least distorted and then move my All way right, up. I'm gonna. No, no, wait. What are you doing? I'm gonna show these wonderful photos. They are wonderful photos. Okay, so I'm gonna plug in the first one. So bear with me because I only I have one board to demo with, and so I have to swap them out. But I can't hot swap them. Okay, so let's see. Okay, so this is, um. Okay, so this is the 
one, uh, sorry, the 72 degree. So like, you know, my face is not distorted. I can like zoom in. My face is not distorted and you see it's like a very narrow um, band of what you can see. It's just like what's around my head. So this is 72 degrees and I'm upside down because the camera's just flipped. Okay, so then I will do the 120 degree somewhat low distortion. Hold on one second. Sorry, just taping this down and then in. Okay. This one is, uh, okay. So this is 120 low distortion. So you can see now you see way more than just my head. You can actually see Mr. Lady Ada. You can also see a little oh. bit of the camera. Um, and you know, the center is not too distorted. Like, you know, you'll see compared, it is somewhat distorted, but it's not as much as, um, I'll show maybe in a bit the 120 that's more fisheye. Okay, so next up, I'm going to remove this one. And then I'm going to plug in. So this is, gosh, they look very similar. This is, I think, the 120 fish eye. Um, so this is, okay, get the center. Okay, this is the 120 um, fisheye lens. So it's got like a more flat look. It doesn't have like a hallway look. Um, but as you get to the edges, like things start to like get, you know, like like they get bigger, especially like if you look at faces. And then I'm going to do the 160 and you're going to see it's like significantly different. So the 160 is this one. Last camera to go. Nothing harder than inserting the last camera of the batch. Impressive. Okay. So this is the 160 and this one is like very distorted. So you can see now you can definitely see Mr. Lady's head, you can see the closet, you can see the ceiling. Yeah. Um, so this is, you know, you get almost like 180 degrees, but obviously if you're taking photos of people, you're like, your head is so tiny and your your hand is so big. Um, but that's the trade-offs with the, the lenses. So mm -hmm. we, you know, they're all the same breakout, the same uh, breakout board. Um, let's see this one. Uh, they're all the same breakout board. Um, this one I've soldered the headers onto. Um, we've got code for the ESP32 S3 and the RP2040 to use these cameras. You do need to have a microcontroller that can handle um, the 8-bit interface. So not every microcontroller can do it. It's it's a standardized interface, but we really only recommend using the RP2040 or the ESP32 S3. Um, and on the back, if you're using autofocus mode, uh, just short the VM jumper and that will um, let you load the firmware that makes the autofocus work. So you'll just notice the autofocus ones have the metal body outside and then the non-autofocus have the lens. Note that the, the lens does screw in if you really wanted to change the focus, but the default is infinite focus and it's good for like 99%. Okay, and with that is new products of... All right, um, don't forget, cams, that's code. Cams.
Why did you say those cans? Yeah. Also, um, let's do a quick Raspberry Pi check. It looks like we have exactly 30 left in stock. Wow, so an hour. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do next is we're going to play some top secret videos and then we'll go to the questions. You can post up in Discord. I've been stockpiling the ones away um, that were in there earlier in the chat, but uh, we'll see you over there in a moment. Here is top secret. All right, Lady Ada, what's uh, this? This is a blinking LED. No, it's a blinking TFT. This is a round 2.1 inch TFT. And I just have it turning on all the pixels white and off. And the reason I'm doing that is I'm actually trying to debug this, which is trying to get the large 4 inch screen working with the ICN6211. And it's not working. And I don't know what's up. And I think it has to do with the screen initialization, which happens over SPI. But the problem is I've got Raspberry Pi, kernel, device tree overlay, ICN configuration, SPI configuration, AT time. There's too many variables. So what I do is I'm actually testing this out first on a known working platform because I'm always like start with a known working thing, change one little tweak to you know figure out what's going on, and then um, adjust and adapt until you figure out exactly what your root cause is. And I actually don't have the ESP generating any TFT signal. What I'm just doing is the SPI configuration. And if you look over here on the the data sheet sorry all pixels on there you go um there is this mode called all pixels on which will turn on all the pixels for you and you don't have to have tft signal it just does it directly from um the spi commands and so over here what i've got is a little bit of code that sends the init sequence init sequence but then it appends to the init sequence the command to turn all the pixels on and off. And so now that I know that that init sequence is good, I'm going to move that code over to the ATtiny over here. And that'll let me know whether I've got the SPI init code and wiring working. And then I can work backwards, fix the ICN, fix the device tree overlay, and basically get it all working with a Raspberry Pi. Hey, Data, what is this? This is the biggest blinking <laughs> Now, this is a Hello world. Hello world. <laughs> this is a four inch round TFT display. And I'm trying to get it working through the ICN6211 with a Raspberry Pi 5 through the DSI converter. DSI converted to uh, the ICN, to TTL, to this uh, TFT. And there's three things I got to get working. I get the device tree working on the Raspberry Pi. I've got to get the ICN config. Um, burned into this over I2C, and I've got to get the SPI configuration on this TFT. And what I'm testing now is the SPI configuration. So what I've done here is, you know, I write the SPI init code, I'm using like an ATtiny, and then I have a loop down here where I'm just sending um, the MIPI SPI commands 22 and 23. And what those do is turn all the pixels on and all the pixels off. So I've isolated just making sure that the SPI init working Next, I'm going to do the ICN configuration. All right, Lady Ada, what's this? There's some beautiful color bars. Uh, yeah. This is the color bar demo um, register setting for the ICN 6211, which is the chip that I'm using to convert DSI from the Raspberry Pi 5 to this RGB TTL display, this 4-inch round 720 by 720. I just got the SPI init code working. Turns out uh, you have to set the bits in the order that they come in. Who would have known? Uh, so that once that got working and had all the LEDs turn on and off, um, 
the next step is to verify that this config works. And so uh, you have to set the resolution and the vsync, hsync, you know, whatever, porches, PLLs. And then there's a bit you can set um, in called the BIST mode where you can set different uh, tests. So this is the, oh wait, so I'm searching color bar, chessboard, uh, outline, and color switch. And these allow you to test that the TTL connection works. So I'm still not using data from the Raspberry Pi yet. This is just running directly from the ICN 6211. I am programming it using Blinka from the Raspberry Pi using I squared C so I can like try all the different settings. So far, so good. So SPI works, I squared C works. The last piece is to get the device tree overlay going. Early data, what's this? This is the Raspbian Bookworm desktop working on this large round 720 by 720 display. I got the SPI networking, I got the ICN6211 I2C working, and I've got the device tree overlay working. All three things uh, together mean that we now have a working display and I've got a little mouse plugged in. And what's cool is, you know, um, this is a full uh, Raspbian build. So it's got like, you know, all Linux support. So you sent me a file you wanted me to play on here. I just regularly just send you Stargate. You just send me, so you basically send me a Stargate every morning. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. What's up with that? So just because the screen is small, what yeah. I can do is I'll loop it and I'll make it full size. And wait a second, and the auto thing will yeah, yeah. disappear. And now we've got uh, your very own video Stargate, something you've always wanted. Yeah, look at this. Yay. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, so far, so good. So just have to repeat this for every display. But so far, this cool round display is working very nicely. Yeah. On Linux, Raspberry Pi. Here we go. Going Chevron's space. Chevron's locked. Shit. Do they make a noise? Like, what? Pew, they pew. do. I don't know. They do. Okay, activated. Let's go. Yeah. Into space. All right, Lady Ada, what's this? Um, this is a 3.5 inch 480 by 320 capacitive touchscreen. So we just wrapped up the revision for our uh, 3.5 inch 40 by 320 version of the resistive touch feather wing and the breakout. And I realized that I actually had like a bunch of these kind of nice capacitive touch displays. Um, so this is one part of the test where I load a uh, image off of an SD card. Let me reset it. You can see it's, it's a little slow because this is running off of a mega. Um, and that tests the SPI interface mode. And then I can flip this switch over here and see 8. And then it will test it in 8-bit mode. And that's um, also testing the capacitive touch um, interface. Uh, this is actually a multi-touch, although this demo only shows a single touch. It actually can recognize five fingers. Um, so this is built on a mega. Uh, and you can see, like, there's a lot of GPIO used here. That's why I need a mega. So that's a big because it's using both the SPI and I squared T and SP, uh, 8 bit interface. Um, but so far, so good. So this is ready to rock. I'm going to finish uh, the um, adjustments for the tester and I'm going to order this and I'll be in the Adafruit shop soon. Uh, really? What's all this? Uh, I am updating a whole bunch of testers. Not only did I have to do hardware revisions for boards like the Clue, which I'm still working on, the Feather NRF52840, and the Itsy Bitsy, um, but, well, I'm supposed to actually also be uh, picoifying the testers, but and more importantly for me right now, I am updating these testers to install the latest Teeny UF2 bootloader onto these boards because the bootloader 
uh, needs a couple of adaptations to be able to load the latest version of CircuitPython because the binary got larger. And so it's not trivial for people to update the bootloader, although you can do it. You just have to run an Arduino. So instead, uh, what I've done is I have, you know, reburned the test uh, binaries and I'm updating this SD card. So now when I program it, um, it still does all the same programming and test, but the final version of the code that gets loaded onto the feather is going to have um, the most latest bootloader. So let's see it's programming final and passed. So we're going to reprogram all these boards and get them back into the Adafruit shop updated. What's going on this week? Back in the vault. OK, we have the questions lined up. Ask them. I know the show's running a little late, but we're going to yeah, still we'll... get to them all. Thank you. We do. OK, so let's go over the handy dandy. Okay. Uh, questions. So, question: Will the 2.8-inch TFT touchscreen PID 1651 work with the metros like the recent Metro ESP32 S3? Yes, it will work with all metros and Arduinos as long as they have the I squared C port. Um, like as of like 10 years ago, okay. they'll do. Someone, SPI pins. someone know is what is international shipping cost? Well, first off, let me just because uh, I think they they you could just add the stuff to your cart and then you can get the estimate right there. Um, I would suggest you go to adafruit.com slash distributors, because if you're in Australia, which I think this person was, it is expensive to ship anything from the US to Australia. It just is. There is no way around it. I don't even think they do any forms of free shipping for anything to Australia. So check out our resellers in um, your local area. That's always the best way. You can also check DigiKey, uh, Mauser, Arrow, other places. Um, but you can always get a cost estimate on our site before you check out. Next up, what's the secret to the TVB Gons long range with two AA batteries at three volts? Is it something with the capacitor? Big transistors. Uh, <clears throat> also, TVs are really, really good at picking up infrared signal because of um, the modulation that they use. Like TVs have been, over the last few decades have just like improved, improved, improved. And so, yes, big transistors and a drive transistor to drive the transistors, but also uh, TVs are very sensitive. Okay. For the refresh rate on the camera, what determines that? So this is not the fastest demo. Um, this is a, an older CircuitPython demo, which I was supposed to update and I got distracted playing Wordle. Um, so instead of working on that, so um, it's it can be faster. The ESP32 S3 is basically like 20 frames a second. Um, the RP2040 with the CircuitPython code is, is kind of manually moving the data around. Um, so it's, you know, maybe three or four frames a second, but you can definitely get 10 FPS. Although I'll say, like I said, you know, using it on the RP2040 is a little bit of a hack. We're using PIO to like bit bang the data. Um, so you can get fairly, fairly fast data, but the um, ESP32 S3 actually has a peripheral for handling the camera. And so it's a, it's a, a little bit faster, I find. Okay. Next up, any news for the Adafruit for My Little Hacker ESP32 S2 development board? Yes, we wanted to, the hardware's done, the software needs to catch up, and yeah. we were waiting to merge in the- We uh, had some flakiness. Five. Yeah, we had a little bit of flakiness. We wanted IDF5 5.1 because it solved a couple of Wi-Fi issues we were seeing. Um, so that's getting merged into CircuitPython, and we're doing releases. And uh, I think, you know, once Scott finishes up some of the memory management stuff, uh, him and I will be working on this project. Okay. Uh, let's see. Thanks. And then next up product suggestion and I squared C stomach QT latching mini relay. I found various feather wings or stomach three pin relay, but nothing that can do 
And I heard C control, maybe with Seesaw, I just want to control a doorbell. Yeah, the challenge with that, just to, to explain why we haven't immediately done a relay over uh, Stemma, is the Stemma cables are really thin, and they're not really meant for driving powerful things like motors or solenoids or um, relays. And so um, if we do do a relay, you know, whereas the JSTPH cables are much chunkier, and they can handle an amp or two. If you're going to do it, it's the, the risk is that people will be like, oh, it's really flaky because the voltage dips through the long, thin wires because they'll, they'll, you know, they'll be like, oh, I want a meter long cable and they're, you know, 28 gauge. So uh, making sure that people have a good experience is a tough part. OK, um, and then last question um, that just came in the other chat is the QT connector five volts compatible or only used for three point three volts? It's a good question. Um, every device that we make like sensor or like led driver or you know whatever pwm controller that has a stem qt and it says stem qt on it can be used with five or three volts we make sure that they're all five and three volt compatible however if you have the driver the controller like the metro or the feather those don't always give five volts on the power pin they usually use three because they use the logic level so it's like the devices can take three or five but the controllers tend to only be three volts so um it's mostly of a matter of compatibility if you have a device that's giving five volt power five volt logic you won't damage a stem qt sensor um but that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll always get five volts depending on what you control it by you might get three okay and that is all the questions this week okay we did it yeah we ran a little long but i think we had a lot going on a lot of videos Okay, little quick check. Uh, there is 13 left in stock. Okay. Thanks. Don't forget next week. You can always do two-factor authentication on your account so you're ready for when we have pies in stock. We're probably going to do this again. We'll see if we get more in stock. Probably will. We'll see. Okay. Unknown unknowns. This is a last an hour. That's a pretty good amount. Yeah. It's been an Adafruit production. Thank you so much. Thank you, Takara, behind the scenes, doing stuff, helping oh. out, and more. Special thanks to all our community, our customers, and everybody who makes this thing go thanks for being part of something that hopefully brings people together world needs it now see everybody next week here is your moment of zener <laughs>